Welcome to Bench Talk, the week in science. My name is Dave Robinson. And I'm Ashley Best. You're listening to WFMP Louisville, 106.5 FM. This show's about bringing science to the people. We'll be bringing you weekly updates on new research that is important to all of us and celebrating evidence-based policy. We've scoured the library stacks for interesting articles, climbed the hill to stay informed on science policy, and performed some experiments of our own. We're here as a conduit of all things science. So, let's get started. Hey there, how's it going? As you know, we're trying to include all aspects of what's referred to as STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, in a way, and mathematics. STEAM. Well, today's show is about the T, technology. And as you are well aware, we are now in what's called the information age. This revolution in technology started with the earliest development of transistor radios back in the 1960s. And there's basically three parts to the information age. There's the primary information age, and that period saw a surge in the use of radio and TV. The secondary information age saw a surge in the use of the internet, satellite TV, and mobile phones. And we're now in the tertiary information age, where now you're seeing a fusion between software and hardware technology and publishing empires, social media, and private enterprise. But the question today is, where are we going with this? Are we going to see a continuation of this trend, or is monopolization and wrongful business practices going to get in the way of development of technology? Well, did you happen to catch that hearing of the U.S. House Committee on the Judiciary that was held in Congress on July 29, 2020? It was the apex of a 13-month investigation of competition in the digital marketplace. The committee has examined some 1.3 million documents and collected hundreds of hours of interviews about what's called the Big Four of Big Tech. That's Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. Now, this House hearing was a six-hour online interrogation of the CEOs of those four big tech companies, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. And by the way, those four companies together are worth almost $5 trillion. Are these companies getting too big? Are they acting like monopolies? And are they interfering with free speech? Well, did you happen to watch that six-hour hearing? Hmm? Well, a few days after that hearing, I heard a great debate on C-SPAN about it. I thought it encapsulated pretty well many of the issues brought up at that very long house hearing. So I've winnowed that debate down to fit into this show. It's a conversation between the head of a left-leaning nonprofit fighting against the concentration of corporate power and a former Republican congresswoman, now lobbyist, who works for a law firm who represents big digital companies like Amazon, eBay, and Airbnb. So I have a listen to this very interesting debate. We'll place a link to the video of this July 30, 2020 debate on our SoundCloud and Facebook pages. The first voice you'll hear is that of Peter Slynn. That's who moderated this debate. Well, recently, the CEOs of Amazon, Facebook, Google, and Apple were virtually on Capitol Hill for a hearing on big tech and antitrust. 
That's our discussion this week on the communicators. Joining us is Sarah Miller, who is with the American Economic Liberties Project. She's the executive director there. And former Congresswoman Barbara Comstock, who is now a senior advisor at Baker Donaldson. Sarah Miller, the question that was asked quite a bit at the hearing was, is big tech too big? What's your answer to that? Right. I think the obvious answer to that is absolutely. The members of the subcommittee, both the Democrats and a number of the Republicans, really focused in on the power of these corporations over the way that we communicate and the way that we engage in commerce. That was the dominant theme of this hearing. And they also got into the guts of how these businesses work, how they abuse their dominance, how they engage in predatory behavior, and just how they're hurting other businesses, small, medium-sized businesses, and everyday families. It was really quite a remarkable hearing, and just night and day from the hearings that we saw just a couple of years ago when members of Congress were grilling Mark Zuckerberg, but really didn't have any sort of sophisticated understanding of how the corporation worked. So yesterday, I think, was a pretty remarkable moment in kind of the ongoing investigation into monopoly power in general, but especially in regards to tech platforms and digital markets. Congresswoman Comstock. Well, I think yesterday uh, what you saw was uh, Congress, who, according to Gallup today, has an 18% approval rating, was attacking four of the great American success stories. These are companies who have approval ratings in the 70s and 80s, that these tech companies come from the world that works. When you think about over the past five or six months, what has worked in your life? Your, you know, your smartphones have worked. You've been able to Google things, or if you use another platform, you can look up information on Bing or DuckDuckGo. You've been able to connect with family and friends through calls like this. You've been able to get your loved ones in connection with their doctors. And this is the world that works, whereas Congress with their 18% approval rating is not getting things done on COVID, on the economy, and they need to be paying attention to that. And I think they're kind of tone deaf. And certainly the chairman has been saying that the American people don't really understand what tech is doing. And American people understand that pretty well because when they were trying to get those unemployment checks, it was the tech companies that had to go into a lot of the states and help them upgrade their technology so people would get their unemployment checks. It's the tech companies that are working with our healthcare providers. They've done that voluntarily. They've donated money. They're even helping newspapers. They got funds for that. So I think you have a real contrast between the world that works, which I was privileged to represent a lot of those companies and the ecosystem that they create, which is all those small businesses. You know, so, and, you know the, next, the next Facebooks, the next Amazons. And I, I think there's a real contrast in that. And you didn't hear a lot about the consumer welfare because the consumers like these companies. Sarah Miller? I think one thing to note is that there aren't going to be more Facebooks, more Amazons, and more Googles because our antitrust enforcers and our policymakers have allowed these handful of corporations to amass an enormous amount of power over their respective markets to shut down competition and engage in self-preferencing and predatory behavior that has really tamped down on dynamism in the economy. These corporations rose to power because antitrust laws and policymakers focused on maintaining competition in markets 
when they were very small. And that focus shifted away. In fact, policymakers have encouraged this kind of monopoly power and this consolidation in tech and all across the economy. And I think one thing that really came through in, in yesterday's hearing was that we hear a lot of rhetoric about standing up for small businesses from members of Congress. But yesterday's hearing actually put forward the voices of small business people who are being preyed upon by these corporations, Amazon, Facebook, Google. They have so much power as gatekeepers over our economy and over our commerce. And that really came through. Members of that subcommittee lifted up the voices of small businesses whose livelihoods have been arbitrarily cut off by these corporations or businesses whose business models and products have been relentlessly copied or acquired for anti-competitive reasons. And that was really, really remarkable. These members understood how these companies work. They understand the predatory practices that they're engaging in to maintain and grow their dominance. And they really stood up for the first time in my kind of work in politics in a meaningful way for smaller businesses. And I think that Congress's 18% approval rating would go up if we saw more of this. Sarah Miller, when you talk about predatory practices, can you give an example? Sure. So Amazon is a great example of this. Amazon owns a platform that more than 2 million businesses use to reach customers, even more in the pandemic when so many businesses have to reach customers through online means. What Amazon also does is sell their own products on that platform. They have the benefit of seeing all of the data that goes through their platforms about other merchants' businesses and their sales. And what they've done with that data is use it to copy other businesses' products and then preference their versions above these other businesses. So this is a practice that we've heard anecdotally happen regularly. So that's one problem. The other problem is just that, you know, they have so much information about these corporations and they tie their own services together. So if you want to sell a product on Amazon, what you see is you might have more ability to reach customers if you use, say, Amazon's fulfillment services. So this tying is something that is not legal and should be enforced against, but hasn't been. And it really extracts huge fees from small businesses. Yesterday, the Institute for Self-Reliance came out with a report showing that Amazon charges 30% fees for businesses that transact on its platform up from just 18% a couple of years ago. So that extraction and that rent-seeking hurts small businesses. It's a tax on businesses. And it's one that members of Congress yesterday spoke out against and held these corporations accountable for. Barbara Comstock, what's your response to what you've heard? I thought the hearing yesterday was much like the hearing the day before with Attorney General Barr, where they had already made their decisions. They were you know, telling their stories or anecdotes, and then they wouldn't really let the different business leaders try and describe that. I think they were trying to, I think the business, uh, you know, the CEOs were trying to explain, you know, well, this is a business that we run. Let us try and explain it. And it's, it, does, it didn't quite fit in their maybe 30 seconds that they wanted to tell their story. But I, I have to strongly disagree with the concept that we aren't going to see more of our, these companies. You know, you see people, you know, largely on the left complaining about we don't want to have these big companies. Well, China has a lot of these big companies, and that's our competition here. When you look at 20 top companies in this space, 
You know, 11 of them are American, nine are Chinese. The European model, which many on the left want to follow, certainly the chairman of this, you know, Cicilline wants to, they don't have any big tech companies because they don't look at the consumer welfare. They're in on looking at all these other issues that the Democrats were looking at. Now, the Republicans were attacking them more on the bias issue and non-antitrust issue. Ms. Miller? I have a few reactions to that. So one is that these corporations exert extreme market dominance. Amazon has 75% of e-commerce. Facebook and Google control digital advertising markets. They have a duopoly. That's how they make their money. And Apple obviously controls the App Store, which is how millions of developers reach consumers. So there's a whole range of issues, both related to market power and the predatory behavior that that market power enables these companies to participate in. It was remarkable to me yesterday that you essentially had Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos admitting to acquiring competitors to shut down competition rather than investing in this kind of innovation that Congresswoman Comstock is talking about. That has been their strategy from the beginning, to buy up competitors, to squash competition, and to maintain their dominance through a strategy of monopolizing markets and through leveraging network effects. On another point, the China talking point is really quite tiresome. I think it's a good scare tactic, but our economy has not been successful because we have a handful of Goliaths that don't really innovate, that maintain a dominant position. China has infinite state capital to support these large institutions, but our strength as an economy has always been because of our dynamism and because of the innovation that real competition creates. So this is really a myth that we should look towards an authoritarian communist regime to model our economy after. And it's a really dangerous one. You know, Facebook, Amazon, Google, they are all squashing innovation and crushing competition. And at the same time, hurting businesses all across the country and really putting people out of business to maintain their dominance. So I think that some of these kind of talking points about China is really a, a scare tactic, quite honestly, and it's not rooted in what's historically made our economy so strong, which is our ability for somebody with a good idea to compete on the merits and grow that way. That is not how these corporations are growing now. In the very beginning, yes, they were innovative, no question about it, and they deliver important services, but they can do that in an environment that is competitive essentially the failure of antitrust enforcers and of policymakers to understand how these corporations were achieving dominance and to buy into their talking points about being innovators really was a huge problem for the last 12 years or so. So I think Congressman Comstock's point about 2007, the early 2000s, uh, needs to be updated. We have not seen that type of innovation in years, and that is because you cannot compete anymore in a realistic way against Facebook and Google. They can crush you. They can cut off your ability to reach customers. Amazon is the same. Well, I, I want to make clear that my point on China is that China has a very different model, and I am not advocating for that at all. I am advocating for us to continue the light touch regulation, not the heavy government knows best. The Cicilline telling us that he knows how to run a tech company and, how, and wants to go in and decide what pieces should be together or not. What I'm saying is we don't want to adopt the European model. The Chinese model is off the table. 
but China is competition. When you look in areas like artificial intelligence, quantum computing, our major tech companies are made, making major investments. They have been helping NIH and our healthcare community to make sure, you know, to help us with, you know, cure for diseases. They are grow with Google helps our small businesses. Certainly, if you want to start up a business with Grow with Google or with Amazon and use their tools, you can then go off and start your own company. Probably the next Googles or the next Facebooks are going to come from the talent pool that these companies support. And I think the thing, most important thing that the U.S. government should invest in, and these companies certainly do, is the talent pipeline and human capital, because those are the jobs of the future. Those are the jobs that are going to make the United States able to lead in what is going to be a challenging environment with China and the threats that we face with them, not by adopting China tactics, but by adopting the good American success stories that have allowed our tech community to be number one in the world. People who talk about breaking it up, what is going to come after that? You don't know. You and I haven't run tech companies. I want the people who know how to do this to go out and do this and let thousands of flowers bloom. All the companies that you had before there, they've made mistakes. They've had failures as well as successes. And that's the story of technology. And, and it's the ecosystem that you want to create. And that's your tax system. That's your regulation system. More regulation will make it harder for that next startup to get further. But Congresswoman, what about Sarah Miller's point that these large tech companies are prohibiting smaller entrepreneurs from entering the market? Well, I don't see that. But if there are companies and they come forward and there is a system under current antitrust law where they can look at it and it's a consumer standard and it's seeing if they're dominant in the market and the DOJ guidelines, I think, usually indicate, you know, do they control two thirds of the market? And when you look at things like search and advertising, you know, there's different ways of calculating it, right? You know, I mean, Walmart is a big competitor in online selling now, as well as, you know, in-person selling. Sarah Miller, what is the American Economic Liberties Project? Sure, we're an organization that perceives one of our biggest social and economic challenges as the monopolization all across the American economy. And that's extraordinarily pronounced in the tech sector, but it goes across many, many sectors of the economy, large and small. So what we've seen is over the last 40 years in particular, enforcers embrace this consumer welfare standard, which doesn't really prioritize looking at actual competition in markets. It prioritizes projections around price only. And we've really seen that uh, theoretical approach to antitrust, which has not been the way that antitrust was enforced for much of our country's history, proven to be a failure. It's been a pro-monopoly approach. A lot of the predictions around price have proven to be not true. In fact, a study that came out earlier this year found that the average family pays $5,000 more because of the concentration in the economy compared to when we had a much more dynamic economy in 1980. So we essentially have an economy that is structured to be very concentrated. And we have, I would say, private regulators private taxation because of the power of these large behemoths. Small businesses uh, in a survey recently found 70% of them responded that their biggest concern was actually Amazon, not taxes, not regulation. So what we're actually seeing 
is private institutions, private corporations who are not democratically accountable, step in as regulators, step in to tax smaller businesses, step in to structure markets so that they benefit themselves and enhance their own power at the expense of everyone else with which they have an economic relationship. So this idea that we're helping consumers is not true. In fact, another study found that after mergers in, in uh, concentrated markets, prices go up by 7% in those markets. And another study found that markups have increased by 300% since 1980. So this whole idea that in general prices go down when corporations get bigger it, it's just not, uh, it's kind of just nonsense at this point, and it's not really taken seriously anymore, even though we still have a lot of folks giving lip service to it. The facts just show that it is not true. Barbara Comstock served in Congress from 2015 to 2019, currently a senior advisor at Baker Donaldson, among other things. Which tech companies are you working with, Congresswoman? Well, I work with NetChoice that represents a number of tech companies. I had data center legislation when I was in the state house to support data centers, which provide all the ecosystem that we also we can all you know be online all the time uh, that we are now, and that has worked spectacularly through uh, this in, entire pandemic. And then I also do um, work with with Google, and I was an advocate when I was in Congress of these tech companies, both small and large, because I saw how they improved our daily lives, particularly when I was in Congress focused on healthcare. I remember I had a hearing on how we can use apps and technology to be able to, you know, map our diseases. You know, kids now who have diabetes can get tools to track on their smartphone what their diet, you know, what their blood sugar is like, and their parents can monitor it at the same time so that they can be in school and do things. So, Sarah Miller, what, in your view, would be a solution to the problems you've described? Sure. Well, I think, you know, one thing that I'd note is that it's really hard to find defenders of the tech companies who aren't on their payrolls. I was on a radio show not that long ago with an academic who actually ended up agreeing with me that Facebook never should have been allowed to buy Instagram. I think it's really kind of common knowledge that these digital markets are extraordinarily consolidated. And because of the network effects and their gatekeeping power, that is not going to change if policymakers don't act. And I'd encourage the Congresswoman also to really dive into the investigation that the Antitrust Subcommittee is undertaking because it has elevated time and time again the voices of entrepreneurs, small businesses, and medium-sized businesses who are being abused by these corporations and are preventing kind of the next wave of innovation and technology from taking place. So I think that's one thing that's actually been really remarkable about this investigation is its understanding of how these markets operate in a very sophisticated way, and that was on display. I think there's two ways to think about the solutions, and all of these corporations are different. They operate in different ways. They have different problems. They're not kind of like the tobacco companies where they're generally very similar. So they all kind of require unique solutions. But I think, you know, at a basic level, their power needs to be dealt with. And their power needs to be dealt with both because it's crushing competition and also because it is fundamentally a threat to democracy, as Chairman Cicilline noted in his statement yesterday, to have these huge behemoths that have great economic and political power, that can blanket Washington with lobbyists, that can fund institutes like George Mason University, 
that can really exert their influence both in direct and indirect ways is extremely dangerous and bad for all of the people and all of the businesses that don't have those sorts of resources at their disposal. So I would say that from a solution standpoint, structural reforms, structural separations, fixing the mistakes that the enforcers in the past have made under this kind of very narrow consumer-focused framework is critically important. And I was really heartened to see so much focus on power and market structure in the hearing. I think the other things that have to happen, and it's different for different corporations, are clear rules of the road and regulation and enforcing laws that in fact are already on the books but have not been enforced in a very long time that protect other businesses and consumers in many cases from predatory behavior. So things like predatory pricing, which Amazon engages in regularly with really no accountability. Things like copying competitors, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple, things like discriminating between different sellers, different entities with which you have an economic relationship. Apple gives Amazon Prime a sweetheart deal in the app store. Everyone else has to pay top dollar. So these are all types of predatory activities that in the past we have enforced against to protect economic dynamism and help people move from having a good idea to being able to grow to be large and to scale. There is not a problem with bigness. There is a problem with monopoly power. And that is what we are seeing in digital markets today without a question. And that's also what we see actually throughout a range of different industries in the economy, whether you're looking at meatpacking and agriculture or hospitals or media. So this is a systemic challenge. That's what our organization focuses on. But the tip of the sphere has been digital markets. And yesterday's hearing was really a watershed moment in Congress coming together both Democrats and a number of Republicans to really ask some very serious and important questions about the monopoly power of these institutions. All right. We're already over our allotted time, but I have a final question for each of you. Sarah Miller, we'll begin with you. Cinder Pachai, Tim Cook, Mark Zuckerberg, and Jeff Bezos for the first time on the Hill for Mr. Bezos. What did you hear from one of those four CEOs that really caught your ear, either positively or negatively? So one thing that really struck me, and it was very early, it was, I think, in in one of the first sets of questions, was Mark Zuckerberg essentially admitting that they purchased Instagram in order to prevent a competitor from rising up that could threaten their dominance. So he admitted that in an email that the subcommittee had in its files. And then he also admitted that in the hearing yesterday, Bezos made a similar admission when he said they purchase other corporations to achieve market position, right? So these are mergers essentially that uh, should not have been approved in the first place that we need to make sure we can enforce against in the future. And that I think Congress and enforcers will be taking a very serious look at. Congresswoman Comstock, your former colleague Jim Jordan called out the tech companies for having an anti-conservative bias. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, I don't. In terms of what I, I, I think you've had like socialist groups that have complained that they've been discriminated against too. You know, so you hear complaints from both sides, but I find these tools very effective. But what I heard from those leaders of, of those businesses was the American success story and all the things they are doing to help our current economy thrive and grow and how to make America the most competitive tech ecosystem 
in the world. And I believe those tools are in place now and can be, and, if, and, if they're, and the antitrust law is included there. But what I didn't hear the Democrats say anything about was how it is harming consumer welfare. And that is the standard. And you can't call a company a monopoly when they have three or four competitors. When they're called, you know, you just heard saying they're a monopoly. Well, you're not a monopoly of search when you're, when you're sitting there, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Pinterest, all these companies that are, are search companies. So that's not a monopoly. Everybody's competing with Zoom now on streaming. That's a good thing. The streaming market, Netflix, Disney, Hulu, that has thrived during the pandemic. And I don't think that'll change. People don't just get one, they go to more. And it's a whole new ecosystem that nobody really thought would have more than one or two competitors before now. Former Congresswoman Barbara Comstock, Sarah Miller, Executive Director of the American Economic Liberties Project. Thank you both for being on The Communicators. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Bench Talk, The Week in Science. See you next week.